Hey Dunker Punks, we're switching things up a bit in this bonus episode, and for the intro, I'm going to play you a song that my friends Seth Hendricks and Drew Gray wrote and recorded a decade ago, and remains relevant to the stories we'll hear today. The band is my old band Mutual Kumquat, playing the song My Life, My Love off the album Let's Get Fruity. If you like it, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, or directly from the source. We are going to prove that they are wrong With our love by keeping it strong We will never doubt what we know is right It doesn't matter what they say Cause I love you It matters Not who shares it nor if we're looking for it or not All that matters Is that it's love And love is all we've got Some try to say That it's not right And that we're only making a mistake I refuse to let our love suffer At the hands of ignorance and hate We are going to prove that they are wrong With our love by keeping it strong We will never doubt what we know is right it doesn't matter what they say Cause I love you That we have found It comes from who we are inside And it's a friendship pure and true And a love that we will never hide So go ahead Stare all that you want We know that we are beautiful Cause all that God creates is perfect and There's no doubt that she created our love Said so we are going to prove that they are wrong With our love
Welcome back to another wonderfully made episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. Or, if this is your first time joining us, we are a group of young people radically devoted to follow Jesus. And these episodes allow us to make space for fellow punks. And speaking of fellow punks, this episode includes the voices of Brethren and Mennonites with the BMC, the Brethren Mennonite Council who are dedicated to caring for and supporting the LGBT community within and outside of the church walls. All right, so first I want to thank you, Carrie, so much for being here with us today. I'm pretty sure everybody that watched this webinar is going to learn a lot from our conversation. Um, and how are you today? How are you doing? Um, I'm doing well, thanks. You're welcome. Um, first, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about your work with BMC and a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, let me let me um, let me start by talking just a little bit about the history of BMC, the Brethren Mennonite Council for Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Interests. Um, we were started back in 1976 by a Church of the Brethren man named Martin Rock. And Martin worked uh, for the Mennonite Central Committee. So I think he had worked for them for about 11 or 12 years. So he had a lot of contacts within the Church of the Brethren and the Mennonite Church. And there are some um, many historic similarities between the two groups and theological overlaps. So there's uh, some affinity there. And uh, Martin was anonymously outed as a gay man in his uh, work at Mennonite Central Committee and eventually, um, well, he lost his job. So that was very, that was very difficult and traumatic for Martin. It was, um, it was very good <laughs> in a way for the, at that time, the gay and lesbian community within the Mennonite and Brethren Church because it gave him more time to do what he had been doing, which um, was kind of trying to to bring um, Mennonites and brethren, gay and lesbian people together uh, with the hope of, of initiating a dialogue uh, with, with the church and particularly church leadership um, in order to, you know, so that, so that what had happened to him didn't didn't keep continuing to happen to other people. I would say that they focused a lot of early attention on trying to initiate this dialogue, but what they found as they sort of gathered more and more uh, gay men and lesbian women together was that in many ways this was a pretty wounded community, um, and people had a lot of uh, really difficult experiences with their home congregations with the church. People felt very alienated. This was before the time of the internet, so it was very hard to make connections. So in many ways, there was a shift, an early shift, um, and, and it became about building support among the uh, gay lesbian community, um, setting up local groups, a newsletter, um, a, a biennial meeting, just so people could just so people could get together. And I would say um, in that early phase, in many ways, the attitude towards the church was, was kind of, um, please tell us we're okay because we're not convinced of it. 
but as as time went on and that group began to grow and people met other people and kind of came out to each other, came out to themselves, their families. There was, there was kind of this, um, there's something deeply spiritual about sharing who you are at your deepest level. And uh, I think people began to feel that. They had done a lot of theological and biblical work were engaged in that community and and more and more became you know what this this sexuality is a gift and rather than banging our heads against this wall of resistance from the church and exclusion we're just called to dance at this wall and celebrate this community and that was a that was a great time i think in the life of in the life of the organization it was almost like this adolescent energy got let let loose. And there were all these dancing conferences and new programs started. There was a college program that started. Uh, the supported communities network started where like whole congregations were invited to dance at this wall. And it was just a lot of really, really positive, semi obnoxious at times, adolescent energy. And uh, I would say the attitude at that point towards the institutional church was, um, you know what, we don't, we don't know that we need you because we have learned to be church for one another. Um, and then as time went on, when you think about both of those periods, they're both um, sort of sanctuary movements, trying to provide safer space for LGBT people and families and and that community did begin to expand and added uh, bisexual and transgender people to its understanding of who we are um, as a as a community but there was this sense i think that uh, this wasn't enough that um we were stronger uh we 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 began to think about what our responsibilities were particularly towards young adults and young kids that were on the other side of that wall that maybe weren't part of welcoming communities. We had learned from other uh, justice-based movements that oppression hurts everybody <laughs> and, and made a very intentional decision to change our focus to sort of taking down that wall and doing the systemic work of um, taking down oppression. And that meant focusing on allies in particular, uh, building up that community of congregations that were welcoming, um, doing more intentional work um, within the church structures and stuff, and taking down that, that sort of wall of oppression piece by piece. So I think that's what we're in now. Um, my sense is the attitude towards the church is we belong here, we're better together. But my sense is also if that, um, if that is all we do is kind of carve out the space for queer people, then uh, we will have, have really um, missed what I think is our greatest call, which is social transformation. Um, and that means connecting this movement to other people's movements for liberation throughout the church, throughout our communities, throughout, throughout the, the world. And that is 
continually asking who's not here, who are the most vulnerable among us, um, and and that's where that's where we need to continually be turning to focus to focus our our energies so that it becomes, you know, from this wall, what can we now create that is more humane for all people, particularly the most vulnerable among us? So that's our that's our continuing project, I think. Amazing, amazing work. We keep at it. It means a lot of resources. It means, you know, a lot of conversations. It means a lot of rejections. Uh, but it, it also, I think, is beautiful and um, has so much positive, positive energy with it, too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And since you mentioned the rejection, so have you ever had, like, a bad experience with churches that, like, did not accept your mission? <laughs> um, we've had... We've had uh, a slew of bad experiences, um, and for for a long time, I would say predominantly bad experiences. Okay. Um, and and most of that is well. For example, uh, even having a booth at the denominational conference, it took us more than twenty five years of asking and doing witnesses and protests for that to even have just a little booth space in in the exhibit hall we've had there have been all kinds of negative statements that have been made um there have there have been all kinds of rules that have been designed to keep us out uh, some of them have been very creative i think in terms of in terms of that a lot of new policies have been created in order to keep us out you know people people personally have said horrible things mm-hmm. to me personally that um, as the d- director of BMC, as an out person, they've said horrible things on the floor. But a lot of, a, a lot of, I think the response has been is more, um, and in some ways, I think this is this is almost more hurtful. It's the it's the overwhelming silence, particularly on the part of church leadership. Um, it's the it's the casual dismissal. It's this. It's a. It's a real minimizing of um, the impact mm. that this constant um, condemnation and rejection and exclusion has upon individuals and their families and congregations. So I think that has been some of the some of the hardest part. For sure, but you also have a lot of. Um supportive churches that accepted your mission and engaged with you. So that's amazing. It's good. Yeah. Um, and in your opinion, what do you think is the role of churches um, on supporting people to come out? Like what is the importance of a church to come out as you know, supportive of the LGBTQ community? Like what, what do you think is the main difference that it makes? Well, I think there are, I think there are a lot of pieces, a lot of pieces um, to this because when, you know, much of the suffering of LGBTQ people, uh, when you start to really peel things away, it's it's got a religious base to it, and that and it's bad theology. I think that has supported and girded the um, the oppression of LGBTQ people. So things like the and I speak from a Christian perspective, the Christian church has not always been good news for queer, for queer people. And 
one thing that welcoming congregations do, I think, by their statement is to challenge that long history of, I would call it sin, towards the LGBTQ uh, community and are able to speak good news, <laughs> not, not only to, to queer people, but I, I think to, uh, to, our, to our families and people who love and support us and also people who um, see a different, who appreciate the gospel message of liberation for all people. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I I really I really think that like uh, it's really important for churches to be supportive of the LGBTQ community because one of the most beautiful things about churches is the community. Mm-hmm. And if you're kind of like putting limitations of who can be with you and who cannot be with you, then it kind of loses its point of being supportive of each other, of being brothers and sisters together. So I think your work is really important and it's really good to show people out there that there are that like there is hope, you know, because I feel like a lot of people, yeah. a lot of my friends, a lot of people that I know, they kind of lost track of their faith, their, you know, the church and everything because of who they are, you know, and I think showing them that no, there is, there are supportive churches, there are churches that are going to accept you for who you are, and there are people constantly working towards that. I think that's the, the main point of giving them hope. Yeah, I I think it's um, that most LGBTQ people are are right to be a little bit suspicious of most Christian congregations, unless those congregations actually um, have done some work and and give some indication, like are out there about their about their welcome. Because for many people, the experience has been very uh, very harsh. And part of part of why we have uh, we have a program called the Supported Communities Network, where congregations that have um, undergone some kind of educational and discernment process made a welcoming statement that includes LGBTQ have you know made a congregational decision to join this. You know, it's really it's it's really important. I think it designates, it says to people, here's a congregation that has done some of its work. They might make mistakes. They probably will make mistakes. But um, but they are on this kind of journey of really sort of coming out in a way as, as, uh, as, queer, affirming, as queer affirming people. And I think those congregations gain so much by that. I mean, they, they, get, this, they get this queer energy. They, yes. <laughs> they, um, you know, I think it's a sense of there's a deep spirituality that goes that goes with it. Um, people, it, it connects them. They begin to look at the world with different eyes, and maybe have a deeper understanding of how oppression works and how theology works with that, and and institutions and how to break that. And you know, if you have ever witnessed as maybe you have been at a place where people sort of beat up on the LGBTQ community. It's not an awful thing. It's an awful thing to witness, whether you're queer or not, especially if you're queer, but even if you're not, to, to hear people say really, really hateful things, to make very intentional decisions of exclusion. My sense is that 
anybody watching that, if you have anything going on in your own life, within your own family, that makes you vulnerable, there's no way you're going to bring it to that church because you fear having that same kind of judgment and experience. But I, I think one thing that happens with um, queer-affirming congregations is that people understand that they can bring their whole lives to this church sort of regardless of, of what's happening. And there's a, there's a depth that happens there, a depth of sharing and trust that really, um, you know, I've just seen congregations kind of be transformed by that. It's really beautiful to watch. It's amazing. That was actually one of the topics that I really wanted to touch, which is like mm-hmm. coming out as, as a supportive church of the LGBTQ community. Um, mm-hmm. Those are really one of my biggest curiosities to know, like what um, what a church, what some consequences a church goes through by making that decision of being openly supportive of the LGBTQ community. Because one thing is for you to accept people that come to your church and everything but another thing is to be open about it for everybody to see i think you open a lot of a lot of doors for judgment for you know a lot of hateful comment comments and it was one of my questions like what what are some of the consequences that you think or that you have seen happening like that some churches face by making that decision of being supportive yeah um we have a we have a couple of of really beautiful films on our website that that talk about uh, two congregations. One is uh, Calgary Intermennonite in um, Alberta, Canada, and the other is Germantown Mennonite Church in uh, Germantown, Pennsylvania. And sort of, sort of um, their journey. Those those two particular congregations had a had a really really difficult time with their conferences. They were kicked out of their denominations essentially because of their welcoming posture. But when you listen, um, when you listen to people talk about that, you, they wouldn't do it any other way. Like what they, it was a very painful experience, but they gained this sense of clarity and vitality and this deep sense of um, kind of, they know who they are. Um, they know how they want to be. Um, they like they get this marvelous history of courage and fortitude and um, being on being on the side of justice, and it makes them a different people. And it's really quite it's really quite wonderful. And I've I have seen that over and over again with congregations that have maybe been challenged by their um, by their district or conference or other congregations or their community. And generally what I see is those churches, those congregations emerge from those experiences stronger, more connected, um, more with a deeper understanding about what they're, what they're about. You know, I think about um, On Earth Peace, the organization that you're working with, and sort of the many bruises that it's taken from the, the Church of the Brethren because of, of their policy of inclusion and i know they've had some really really difficult times but i also think they seem more more focused and have more clarity and it's just been it's just been really beautiful to watch and i i i may be wrong but i i suspect that if you asked the leadership of honored peace um whether they should have 
persisted in their policy of inclusion, I I doubt that any of them would say that was a bad that was a bad idea in the beginning. And my sense is that will only be stronger as they look back on that in in their own history. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you. I think, you know, and as you said about like coming out as a congregation, like supportive congregation uh-huh. of the LGBTQ, I connected so much with a person coming out to like family or to friends and everything. I think it's the same process of what you said, courage. I think that's the main word. Of, and also a sense of knowing who you, who you are and where yeah. you want to be. I think we can definitely compare those two experiences. There's a lot of hate that comes with it. But as you said, like mo- most of people, and I, I could say probably everyone that comes out and embrace who they are, they come out stronger than they were before. And connect more with people, as you said. So it's beautiful. It's really beautiful to see it happening. I am so honored to be part of it, to be part of On Our Space for sure. Um, as I said before, it was it, it wasn't something that I that I had an understanding that it was um, a thing to have uh-huh. a church or a, con- a congregation that would support and would be so open-minded and would be so accepting of everything. Not only about LGBTQ but other groups. Um, myself, I am part of the LGBTQ community and I'm an immigrant, so it's kind of like really hard to fit in in the U.S., but having organizations like that, that makes you feel accepted, it's amazing and makes you connect, really connect on a deeper level with other people, other cultures and other experiences. So it's really amazing. It's amazing to see you doing your work. and one one last question that I want to ask you is, um, I'm sure that like by creating this safe environment for the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community, you have um, heard and have ex- uh, experienced some different stories from members of the community. Is there any story that called your attention, like coming out stories or, um, I don't know, some, some individual that found themselves in the church or... I don't know, some life-changing story that kind of like called your attention that you could share with us? I, you know, I've heard, I've heard so many stories and uh, I, you know, I, I, there, there are certain, there are certain themes that kind of come. I think about um, how many times I've particularly heard from uh, elder LGBTQ people that about how alone they felt and how they, um, they never believed that Mennonite and gay or lesbian, bisexual, or transgender would be in the same in the same sentence in a non-condemnatory fashion. So I, 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 you know, and I've I've seen I've heard people who talk about you know being excluded from like communion or love feast within the Church of the Brethren because because they were LGBT and then, but finding, but finding this BMC community and our, our gathering or convention as an organization always includes some kind of worship service that is always um, deeply, deeply moving. And, you know, there's always people who are just sobbing because they have this experience of, of deep belonging and connectedness and people who didn't believe that was possible within the Mennonite church or the church of the brethren. And, and the other, the other piece where I've seen, 
uh, tremendous changes. And I think this is something that we often forget when we, because we, when we talk about LGBTQ people is uh, families and particularly parents and have heard too many stories of parents who were essentially asked to choose, forced to choose between their child or the church. Like if you support your church, you will not be supported. If you support your child, you will not be supported by this church community any longer. And, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of Mennonites and brethren are in rural communities. And so, and people have been part of these congregations for generations. So this is a, this is an incredibly harsh and uh, painful experience. And what I see are some, some parents have chosen their church community and rejected their child. And I think that has caused tremendous, just tremendous pain and harm to everybody in that family. Um, and families that have chosen their child, they enter into this world that maybe they never thought they would be part of, this queer community, um, you know, this place where they're suddenly, um, you know, sort of being judged by their church community. But they have this this amazing experience of love and acceptance in this other community. And I just you just hear time and time again of these stories of, I would call it, this is a real experience of grace. These families connect in their love for one another. And uh, I think that deepens for everybody their, their faith and <laughs> their understanding about, uh, I, I would say, the, the beauty and um, goodness of God, the divine. And that is... That is always an amazing, that is always an amazing thing um, to witness. And we don't, you know, we don't, we don't hear about that as much. Uh, But those are, those are, because those are many private kind of family moments, but they're, they're incredible moments. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, When I started doing my, working with On Earth Peace with the LGBTQ justice, I started doing a lot of research on the coming out. That was like my first Mm -hmm. talk with them. And when, when I thought about coming out at first, I would always think about the experience of the, the person that is coming out, right? I would never think about the family. And yeah. as I was doing my research and watching videos and, you know, like going deeper and deeper on stories, on coming out stories, I noticed that a lot of people actually mentioned their families as not in a bad way, like, oh, they didn't accept me, you know, they're bad people, but they say it's a process for them as well. Right. Like they have to understand, they have to learn, you know, because um, like the person is like the expect, expectations of the parents are not going to be ever going to be, you know, like reached. So it's also a process for them. And I think uh, having a church, having the faith, kind of supporting the parents and l- guiding them to accepting their child is also really, really important. Yeah. Um, probably like one of the, as you said, like one of the most beautiful things to see a family coming together. And it's also one of the most important things for the person that is coming out to have the support of the people that they love, you know, the people that they're around them. Because it's also really hard for the person that is coming out. But we also have to think about the parents and the family as well. That is also a process for, for them. And they also need to learn from the experience. Right. And, and you know, the, um, the parents are so important because what, what we're learning from research is 
that um, parents and families that are highly rejecting of their LGBTQ um, child, like that has a tremendous negative impact upon that that child. You know, we see like the the uh, rates of suicide and depression and um, high risk sexual behavior and um, like not going to school and and all those. It has a terrible negative, terribly negative consequences for families that are highly rejecting um, upon it, particularly upon it, the life of a young adult or, or a youth. And, you know, I heard somebody say like conversion therapy really begins in a family <laughs> where, where maybe the, the child displays some gender nonconforming behavior and it's, you know, quickly like repressed or, um, or, you know, the wonders if they're um, LGB and that is, you know, quickly denied. And, and so um, how parents respond has a, has a profound impact um, really upon the well-being of that whole family. Yes. Particularly the, L- the LGBTQ um, child. So it's, I think it's really important that, parents be um informed and cared for in that process like like as you say sometimes parents are very surprised and they (laughs) they don't know what to do with this new information that they have about about their child and here's where if they're in a welcoming community they have often had some experience seeing other seeing other parents or they at least know that here's a place where they can talk about it um, and it's another gift of, I think, congregations and organizations that are welcoming. But if the congregation is not, then those parents often struggle, struggle alone, as as you say. And it's it's very hard. And they don't they don't they don't quite know what to do, um, what to say, and sometimes they say really hurtful and um, harsh harsh things. Um, yeah, and, and sometimes it's not even because they're a bad person or anything, just because they, they're not well informed, they're not educated. And right. I think like in the a church is a really important place and a, a really good source of education for a lot of people. So having having a an open church and a supportive church of the LGBTQ community, it's a really huge way of educating others because people really, really um like depend on a kind of way of church you know they it's like their base and if you go to church and people say it's okay it's okay if you have a queer children it's okay you know to have a friend or it's okay if you are uh, i think it really helps to the person to accept themselves and accept the others as well right i think that's really uh, that's really a profound insight and um it is one of the gifts that these welcoming congregations bring, I think, to the whole, to the whole denomination. Really, um, people know they can, they can go there. They have this place of refuge and safety and learning. <laughs> Hopefully, that can translate into other places. Um, and I think that's the 
the most beautiful thing about your work is that you're not only able to um, impact your own community or your own congregation, but you're also able to inspire others to become, you know, part of part of it and you know inspire other communities to come out as supportive of the LGBTQ community, and that's really important because uh -huh. you know not only we have to think about our own community, but I think as a society. If we're able to inspire other people to become better people, that's that's all that matters. We're doing our, our job here. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And you know, one thing I think is really true that's that's really kind of wonderful about the queer community is um we're we're everywhere. You know, we are we're black, we're white, we're brown, we're um we're immigrants, we're illegal we're you know we're just the we're rich we're poor we're the we're the whole spectrum we're <laughs> every nationality and i i think if we can if we can learn how to do that well as a community and and learn from learn from each other i mean it, it just feels like what an amazing expression then of humanity and and really take seriously, you know, what does it mean to be a queer, a queer person at the border of this country? You know, what is it? What does it mean to be? Um, what does it mean to be a queer person in prison? What does it mean to be a young black queer male? You know, just the and these are all these are this is our community. This is this is this is all of us, and I just keep thinking if we can continue to stay in touch and to and to understand who we are as that community, and and particularly reach out to the most vulnerable among us and stay focused there as we figure out what we want to be about and who we are, we'll be we'll be a much um, stronger and I, and better people. For I think sure. a more more humane and yes. gracious people. That's that's my goal anyway in this work. Amazing, amazing. That's it's really inspiring actually, and I enjoyed every second of this conversation. Really learned a lot, and I really hope everybody that watches or listens to our conversation can learn as well and get inspired to to make an impact as well and inspire other communities, other people to be more accepting, and also most importantly ourselves to look. Yeah. Into and think okay how how can I be a better person how can I be more accepting because nobody's perfect you know we all right. have our flaws so yeah and I want to say thank you for thank you for your work um you know one thing about I think the queer community too is that generations have had very different experiences and it's uh it's really it's really wonderful to see a new you know the energy and the gifts of uh, a young queer generation stepping forward so for sure it's, thank you for your work and energy and commitment <laughs> you're welcome thank you so much i really appreciate it uh, to lgbtq people um don't give up there is there is a beautiful community out there that is for you that is uh with you and desires profoundly your your well-being and your life and to those who are not LGBTQ, I, 
I want to just say how important your support and involvement is, uh, not just not just for the benefit of LGBTQ people, for but for the benefit of of um, of all of us, because our our liberations are intric- intricately connected with um, with one another, and um, and that's part of what makes this work so important. Say. Yes, thank you so much, Kara. I really appreciate it. And I'm pretty sure everybody that listens to it also appreciate your work so much. People from the community and people also from not from the community. I think it's really important. And you said for everybody yeah. to you know, be more accepting. Yeah, yeah, well, thank you. I grew up in the Modesto Church of the Brethren in Central California. I started going at probably about 15, but it just feels right to say I grew up there. Because that community and the greater community it connected me to was influential in my growing and my walk with God. I was invited to the Modesto Church of the Brethren by a queer friend I had in high school. The idea of a queer-friendly Christian church was unheard of for me at that time. And I don't think I would have ever gotten as involved in the denomination if it weren't for the loving community I saw there. I was just 18 when I signed up for BVS, Brethren Volunteer Service. My orientation would be in Florida, the other side of the country, with a church that seemed to me to only be from Pennsylvania and Virginia. I have a really special and specific memory from that orientation that I still remember all the time. Toward the end of our three-week orientation, they made us these little candles And we had a very sweet send-off and prayer for all of our fellow volunteers in our unit. And I just remember feeling overwhelmed by all the love and care I was receiving. I think I was in a full sob. And I remember that quote that goes, To love someone is to see the face of God. And that sense of security, belonging, and love has stayed with me since then. I'm ecstatic to have BMC fighting for all of our rights to belong and receive love, and for them working with congregations by opening that space. Thank you, BMC and On Earth Peace LGBTQ Justice intern Mayara. Psalms 139 verses 13 through 16 say, You are the one who put me together inside my mother's body, and I praise you because of the wonderful way you created me. Everything you do is marvelous. Of this, I have no doubt. Nothing about me is hidden from you. I was secretly woven together out of human sight, but with your own eyes, you saw my body being formed. Even before I was born, you had written in your book everything about me. Isaiah 43 says, The Lord saw us, and he called us by name, and we are his. The work of Jesus and the word of God make it pretty clear and easy to me that Jesus loves us unconditionally. And the rest is kind of up to us to treat others how we want to be treated. In 1 John 4, God says, My dear friends, we must love each other. Love comes from God, and when we love each other, it shows. We have been given new life. We are now God's children, and we know him. God is love, and those who do not love others have never known him. We are called to love each other just as they love us.
Thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. Follow us on social media at Dunker Punks Pod. This episode was designed and created by Mayara, an Honor Peace intern, and Brother Mennonite Council. I'm your host, Kiana Simonson. Jacob Krauss edits the show and creates our music. Carrick Van Essel creates our graphics. Dean Fiesenheiser transcribes our episodes. Suzanne Lay manages production. Arlington Church of the Brethren hosts and sponsors the show. On Earth Peace provides ongoing support, outreach, and production support. Thank you so much for joining us. It doesn't matter what they say. Because I love.